Hey everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg, and with me as always, John. Hey, what's up? I shouldn't say always, but with me as always lately. How with that? me occasionally. With me more often than not in the last few weeks. So, John, I have to start this podcast as I often do with an apology or two. Okay. The first apology is for the terrible quality last week. Like, I don't know what happened in the recording process. Something happened. I was definitely quieter than you. Uh, something happened. I, what I think, and I mentioned this earlier, I'm pretty sure somehow I was getting picked up by the webcam mic instead of my okay. actual mic. So some some BS. Who cares? The listeners, yeah, they don't care. They just want the apology. So you it's, know what? Here it is. I apologize for the bad quality. It's not my fault at all because I have literally nothing in front of yeah. me other than a microphone. John literally and a, does nothing. A except can of monster. <laughs> sit in front of a mic and talk. It's easy. Uh, and then my second apology. Uh, I, I got some feedback, and I and I do respect listener feedback. We did have someone who unsubscribed to us on YouTube, the Drop Rate channel, because he felt like I was a little too heavy handed with the GameStop conversation. Because I put up a four-part video series, but really it was the one podcast, and then it was just like an hour and a half conversation, so I broke it up into four parts. You know, I just, I mean, I could have put it all up as one, and I wasn't trying to, like, get views. I mean, it's whatever, you know? I just thought this is more easy to digest, you know, in shorter pieces. Well, and, like, that guy was complaining about too much GameStop, but there are lots of very popular channels that that's literally all they do. That's all they talk about. And and we, you know, and that's what I've said. Like, we're both very passionate about a company we worked for for a very long time. So anytime a GameStop story comes up, besides it being relevant to video games and being relevant to, it's relevant to me. So those two things make me want to talk about it. And so my apology is not, though, talking about GameStop, it is that we're going to be talking about GameStop more today. Just a little bit. But I promise we'll do it at the end of the podcast so you can listen to the other two stories. And then if you don't feel like hearing any GameStop stuff, you can just bounce. And we'll, I would really, you know, I'll really appreciate you. We'll do like the spoiler warning that people do when they're about to yeah, like spoil yeah. a movie. And, be and like, it, all right, spoiler warning, GameStop it, yeah. conversation, leave now. <laughs> and it won't be long <laughs> because we're not doing what we did before, which was dedicate the whole episode to it. You know, because that's what we did. We, we That whole episode was GameStop yeah. talk. This is going to be one piece of the pie. So uh, those are my two apologies for the week. Is The people who listen to this podcast, John, you know, you being one of them, you know, I I, I apologize plenty. <laughs> this is going to be the first time we apologize. This is not the first time. It will not be the last time. Actually, you lost a listener because I don't listen anymore. Yeah, I, I, did. I don't want to hear it's my a, own voice. It's a net loss. <laughs> you should just play it and then mute it, but yeah. still play it. So just we give get you the, the view. <laughs> <laughs> We're hurting for every listen we can get here, folks. Um, and, and then the, uh, technically there's a third apology that this isn't going to be out till Thursday. Normally we do the podcast on Tuesdays. We actually record it Monday night and then I get it edited, uploaded Tuesday. Well, going forward, it's probably going to be Thursday because instead of trying to do it Monday night after the drop cast where we don't get started till nine 30, 10 o'clock here, we're going to do it on Wednesday nights and we usually get started around eight 45. So as, as little as a half hour to an hour difference you think wouldn't be that much. It makes a huge difference between getting home at 11 or getting home at midnight Yeah, for me. And especially after a long day at work. So realistically, whatever day you tell me to be here, as Mm. long as I can get away from my house and my wife and kid, I'm fine. I've got you. I've got you. I mean, everybody wants to be next to old Greggy, you know, like, I mean, this really, you should be honored that you're even sitting here. I very much. There are literally tens of people that would love to be on this podcast <laughs> literally tens of people i was one of them for like <laughs> two years and we did talk about that forever and then finally it's like let's make it work and we just made it work you know and i i'm, I'm not a big fan of change like i loved getting up tuesday mornings and just doing it myself and being done with it yeah but then i realized if i do it monday night or wednesday night 
it's already all the hard work's done. Thursday's an easy wake up, edit for a couple hours, and I'm done. As opposed to having to record, then edit, then promote, and then all of a sudden it's two or three o'clock on a Tuesday, and I'm like, my day's off is over. You know? Yeah. So I actually like doing this a lot because I'm already working ten hours on a Wednesday. So what's doing another two hours of talking? You know, like to <laughs> me, it's like the day's already spent anyway. So, uh, anyway. So those are my three apologies. <laughs> um, but we have three stories we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about E3 officially being canceled. We talked about this, uh, was it last week, where we talked about how... Actually, no, we didn't talk about that in our podcast, how the coronavirus was affecting gaming. I talked about... Uh, I mentioned about Emerald City Comic Con. That's right. Uh, saying they were going full speed ahead and they weren't canceling anything. And I was like, BS. They, have, they had like eight deaths in Seattle at the time and they're like oh we're good and then like two days later they canceled it mm-hmm. uh and seattle has had even more deaths unfortunately because of it uh and i i was i think i said i didn't expect e3 to cancel quickly because it's it's months away right and we had we had kind of said that that actually the timing of e3 almost hurt it more because when when the virus spreading is at its peak is going to be when people are making travel arrangements you know, people who've already made travel arrangements and stuff like that, they might be okay. But since it's going to be right in the heart of before people make the plans, people are more often going to then not make the plans because the chances of them getting boned out of their ticket prices and everything. So um, so we're going to talk about E3 getting canceled. Then we're going to talk about the final bids on the Nintendo PlayStation. So that is done. That bid out, it ended. And then we're going to talk about GameStop and how they, the board brought on Reggie Fizeme, the ex-CEO of Nintendo of America, is now going to be on the board of directors for GameStop. That's a big deal. Even if we weren't GameStop guys, that'd be a big deal. So, again, we'll do that at the last one, though. So, if anyone who's sick of GameStop talk, I apologize. But, you know, it's going to be more. It's just how it's going to be. Every time there's a GameStop story, I'm probably going to talk about it. Uh, but, obviously, we won't dedicate a whole show to it. Also, if you hate it so much, why are you listening to a games- well, gaming podcast? Well, like, I, I mean, GameStop I, has, like, there's, there's a lot of the game industry that revolves th- around GameStop. I think, so. to be fair, people really like me picking different news stories out yeah. and kind of getting them caught up on the news stories of gaming. So if it's, like, GameStop for a couple weeks in a row, they're like, there's other stuff happening besides GameStop. Yeah. And for me, I usually put GameStop stuff as a priority because of my personal like love for it yeah. but just like i did with billy mitchell videos i do get to that point with gamestop where i'm like i literally don't want to talk about this unless it's a really big story which arguably the reggie one is yeah. so although this is kind of a dead time for games right now anyway like the stories that are coming out like the first one we're going to talk about is weird and totally outside of gaming but it's affecting gaming yep. but realistically like in the last several hundred years you wouldn't think that something like this would happen and would affect the world like it is yep a good point so with that being said we're going to start it off and we'll we're going to get rocking so first up on the podcast hey john like we said earlier we're going to be talking about e3 2020 how it's been officially canceled so uh late tuesday night the rumor started trickling in and it, it started like where I saw it was someone on Twitter had said, Hey, my day started off with seeing what kind of meetings and connections I can make for E3 when I'm there. And all of a sudden it turned into a laundry list of people saying it's most likely going to get canceled. Yeah. And so he was very, the, the, the person who tweeted that I forget the name, he was very surprised by that. So then he went down the rabbit hole and basically was confident enough to say it's going to be canceled quickly. All the news sites and all the gaming blogs picked that up. And 
it was not finalized, I guess, until today when they made the announcement, but they made the announcement officially today at maybe around noon or one o'clock. And uh, here's what the ESA had to say, quote, after careful consultation with our member companies regarding the health and safety of everyone in our industry, our fans, our employees, our exhibitors, and our longtime E3 partners, we have made the difficult decision to cancel E3 2020 scheduled for June 9th to June 11th in Los Angeles, end quote. Uh, the Entertainment Software Association, the ESA, the video game lobbyist group that runs the trade show, said in a statement to the press this morning. The ESA added that it will be looking to, quote, coordinate an online experience to showcase industry announcements and news in June of 2020, end quote. Um, so, I mean, so that's the big story, John. E3 2020, we had uh, mentioned it on the podcast that we had, were curious if it would get canceled, and if so, what would happen to E3? Like, is this... So the question that I pose to you is, is this the final nail in the coffin for E3? You had the, the Jeff Keighley nail in the coffin. I mean, that Jeff Keighley said he's not going. So that was, I mean, that almost killed it right there. <laughs> Obviously, sarcasm, sorry. But, you know, do you think that this is the final nail in the coffin for E3 as we know it? I'm worried it is. Like, I, and it sucks because every year around E3, I get far more excited about like the video game industry than any other time of the year. So I love all the announcements. I love seeing all the, like all the deals that are getting made, the trailers and stuff. And it, it really like gives me something to look forward to in my pitiful, horrible life uh, for the next <laughs> oh, few months of the holidays. <laughs> it just, it keeps me from putting the gun in my mouth for a few oh, more months. Stop no. it. Um, but yeah, I really, I really love E3 every year. It and is a fun time of the year and it is, you know, E3, it is a hype show. You know, yeah. it's meant to get us excited about the video games. And, you know, we used to do a thing at my store when Sony was attending. After close that night, Sony was always at like 8 p.m. Central yep. Time. And I'd have every, all my friends would come to the store and then we would watch the Sony press conference. It yeah, it started cool. with like me and you and then eventually more and yeah, more people Yeah, and you brought coming. like I think Chelsea that one year because yeah. she was like just new to the area or something, didn't have yep. a lot of friends. So you brought some people and then, yeah, it was just kind of like – and then all of a sudden it was, hey, my friend Tony's going to come and then, hey, Dave's going to stay. And then it was just – it was just a good time. Yeah, well, and we always did – like I'm not a PlayStation guy. Like I own lots of PlayStation stuff, but I'm not like hardcore PlayStation guy. But we always did PlayStation because – Everybody else does their press conferences at like noon, right? And so, like, <laughs> I was like at work and you were working at the store. So. Sunday at three p.m. Like, eh, yeah. I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be watching this uh, on a Sunday at three. Although we did but... do the Xbox uh, thing last year, we did because I did. actually got a rare day off. <laughs> yeah, that actually worked. That was kind of fun. Uh, and that actually that was because we couldn't do the PlayStation one because they canceled right, it. Because they canceled it. Was like, <laughs> so it's like we got to yeah, do so something. You had to do something. So. I kind of agree with you. I'm worried that it is as well. I can't say for sure it will be because the ESA is going to have a strong presence. The branding behind E3 as a show is huge. Yeah. Now, when I said, will it be you know, dead in the water as we know it, doesn't necessarily mean there won't be an E3 in 2021. It just might be different. And you can tell from the statement here that the ESA is already saying that this year they're going to try to do a more digital approach. Yeah. So they're going to coordinate and organize a schedule where microsoft can do theirs online stream it and then bethesda will you know activision will ubisoft will like all these companies will still have their time to shine it just won't be live in los angeles and there won't be a live studio audience yeah i i wonder like you can't really squeeze money out of that though because realistically 
they don't need E3. If if they don't have to go anywhere and set up a booth and right. and pay any money, like how is e, the ESA going to get any money out of Devolver doing a, a press conference and WDB doing a doing a live stream? Well, to be fair, Devolver never partakes in E3. They well, just, I'm sure they're probably there. <laughs> they on, just troll from across the parking lot. They're probably there the on the show lot. floor. <laughs> uh, but I agree, and and that's a really good point. Arguably, I would assume any money paid. To, to the ESA for E3 is not being refunded. So then you have to say, okay, so say next year they decide to do all digital again. You're right. How, how is the ESA going to say to Microsoft, you should pay us a bunch of money to be a part of E3 when they could just do the Microsoft Expo totally digital and not associate with the ESA at all? Yeah, what is the ESA? Do you know what the ESA does besides running E3? Like, Well, they're, they're a lobbyist group. So, I mean, they, they basically lobby Congress. They, uh, they organize their, like, I mean, I don't want to say a union. That's not really the right term, but it's essentially, it's a lobbying group. Okay. Uh, and then they also, they host, like, award shows and stuff. But for the most part, E3 is, like, their flagship conference. But they do a lot. Yeah, the, okay. ES, the ESA, they're also in charge, technically, of, like, the um, ESRB rating system. Are they? Like, yeah. They, they, okay. Yeah, that's all part of I saw one their, of the, uh, their umbrella. The limited run guys posting about that because uh, they really don't like uh the uh esrb rating system well they <laughs> yeah. uh they uh what is is doug and then what's his brother's name i don't think they're brothers are they but it's josh and doug josh okay yeah josh was posting about how apparently their company pays the esrb more money than every other company because of the quantity of games they have rated by the esrb every year Oh, that's so, yeah, that makes sense. That's crazy that one of the probably smallest financial companies is paying the yeah. most money for the SRB rating. Yeah, that, that that really hurt them when they changed their policy on how all games had to be rated. Even if they'd already been rated for digital release, they had to be re-rated for physical release. Which is just dumb. Which is pretty dumb. But yeah. could you imagine, it was probably the ESA looking at these companies doing this, and we're like, yeah, why? let's double dip on this. Yeah. I mean, that probably would, you know. Because it doesn't really make sense why you'd have to do it twice, you know. Yeah, it's not like content changed. But part of the problem was the ESRB logo was not on limited run games. Yeah. And so I think there should have been probably a compromise there where, you know, maybe they they had started doing it. The ESA wouldn't have. Because it almost seems more like that. Like, the ESA was making a point, like, you can't get away with, you know. Like, you have to put our logo on the box. That's the commitment we've made to publisher or the, pu- the, the 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 major platform holders exactly yeah. yep yep which is more realistic of what happened sorry so, i derailed this <laughs> no that's right you're fine um but yeah so then do you would you watch because that's what's weird about e3 is there's already a whole bunch of digital coverage of it yes GameSpot did a bunch which i think is who jeff Keeley went through ign has had a stage set up where they were doing something the whole time so like you didn't need the esa even to organize anything you know you kind of had these other sites doing that yeah so i'm i'm, I'm seeing I'm, I'm struggling to find what the es how the esa holds on i guess you know like what what do they have to offer i think to the, to the general public that isn't being offered by places that do it better like like ign or you know i think the main drawback of if e3 does die is that and again, the limited run game guys mentioned this as well on Twitter was that a lot of deals get made at yeah. E3 between companies, small small developers talking to publishers, getting their games out to a larger audience, 
And that was mainly the main focus of E3 for years and why it was an industry-only event was besides it being a giant commercial for the video games that are coming out in the next six months, it was backroom deals happening to get stuff done. Yeah, and that's the thing about E3 is a lot of people look at it as just the trade show with the show floor and and the trailers. But you're right, there's a whole business aspect to it that we aren't typically privy to and quite frankly is boring. Like, we, we don't want the news of like, oh, Limited Run talked to, you know... 20 different indie publishers they are indie developers but we can't talk about what games they were talking about but they talked to 20 you're like well uh, you know who cares well and even even GameStop when they did their their manager conference every year they would have like the CEOs of GameStop and the the money guys were talking to publishers to get deals on games and like get exclusive content and all that so that's the type of stuff that happens behind closed doors at those trade shows that you don't hear about but is very important yeah and GDC is another big one, and it's yeah. even more so because that's not really a public thing. So GDC is even bigger for them to make backdoor or like backdoor, not backdoor, but like behind the scenes meetings is what yeah. I mean. So they were doing that. They were doing that at GDC that got canceled. They wanted to do it at E3 that got canceled. So I can definitely appreciate that Limited Run has an issue with that. Like, hey, we were going to meet with all these developers. However, you can't do that over Skype. You know, you can't do that. Like, to me, that's weird that, like, they act like it's somehow super detrimental. Because, yes, you want to probably meet someone in person, but they can send you a demo if you want to try the game. You can you can Skype. You can Discord. You can you can have this conversation we're having right now, not face-to-face. Yeah. And still get a gauge for someone and, and, and like, their aptitude for what they're doing. Because I'm sure part of those meetings are, are Limited Run trying to woo them. But does Limited Run need to woo anybody anymore? Like, like people know what they're getting. They're going to get a limited print of a game. They're going to get paid up front X amount of money, get a whole bunch of exposure, get the game kind of remade, you know? So I don't know. You know what I mean? It's so anyway, as far as the backdoor deals, that's just kind of, again, that's derailed from what we're talking about. So getting back to E3, what do you think next year they will do another in-person big show? I don't know. I I hope they do because I think there'll be less emphasis on that week if they don't. Um, and it I like that they kind of announce all that stuff within a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would also be okay with if if games started stretching out and it, and putting out more stuff outside of the holiday season. Yeah. So if if it if it stopped everything from being crammed into the end of the year, I'd be kind of okay with it. Uh, if more companies started doing kind of what Nintendo does, which is like every couple months having a little like, hey, here's a catch up on what we're working on that you can be excited about in two months. Yeah. Because um, I don't think enough companies do that. They they keep everything close to their chest until that big announcement. So if, if E3 turned into more companies talking more to the fans i'd be okay with that uh if it went away but i think that i i enjoyed that almost holiday type feeling Mm -hmm. when that week rolled around i always wanted to just take a week off and just sit at home and watch nothing but that coverage from a personal perspective i think just like how you feel about like gamestop leaving the industry i feel like anytime you have something dedicated to a hobby 
and it ceases to exist, I think that's negative for the industry. Yeah. We should want things to get better. I say this all the time in this podcast. We should want things to get better, not go away. So if they did like a two or three day E3 where it was all behind the scenes meeting, they still did that, but then they had like their own online show, I think that'd be fine. I don't, I don't think, I don't even think they need to do the show floor anymore where they have like the booths and the demos and everything playable. Yeah. You could, you could do similar things and you've already kind of seen this like they've coordinated where the day of e3 drops boom on the eShop, there's a demo to play some game on the switch or best buy uh, or, best buy has a demo that nintendo's running in their yep, stores yep or or like pt didn't pt drop like did it drop before e3 it was like around that time i thought it might have been or, or if, if i'm wrong on the timing it might have been earlier in the year too but they did something similar where they basically released a demo that eventually became the announcement for what the game they were going to yeah. make is so they can they can get access to the people who want to play these games in person. And you don't really need the journalists anymore to do that, which is why a lot of the big companies have gone to the more, the more um, fan-friendly shows anyway. So I don't know. I, it's, it's hard to say where it's going to end up because, I mean, I don't know. It could, it, it could come back twice as strong next year, and then they could have more vendors than ever. And it will really suck. So this is the last thing I want to talk about before we move on, but... The thing that really sucks is they talked a little bit about some of the stuff that was going to be at E3 this year. Yeah. Uh, so I know one in particular is painful for you. Yes. So I'll let you go ahead and, and tell us. Uh, supposedly Warner Brothers was supposed to talk about whatever Batman game that they've been working on. Right. Which that they've I, been awful at teasing for like the past yeah, two years. Which I don't think is Rocksteady, though. It's supposedly I thought it was the team Montreal. that did. Yeah, Montreal. Yeah. Yep. Which did Origins. Yep. Yep, which is fine. You know, I, I it was it was like an Obsidian Fallout game. You know, where it was like it took the original, it got it. You know, it got the point. I wish they would have remastered that one on on Xbox One yeah. they, and PS4 because they released it like right at the end of the Xbox 360 and PS3's life yeah. cycle, and yeah, then it, it never have. got a remaster. They did they did the the first two, which are great games and are better than than Origins, but it's like. Yeah, people probably played less Origins than played the other two, which is a shame. Yeah, but then supposedly whatever Rocksteady's working on, which could that be something well, totally different. And it, and it was that now that was that Warner Brothers saying that because if it was Warner Brothers, then that kind of gives you a hint of what they've been working on. But I don't know. Uh, my fingers are crossed for a Turtles game. A, I don't think it's going to be. I Turtles don't think it is because either. they don't own the rights to Turtles. I know, so, but that would be amazing. Because Nickelodeon owns the rights to right. Turtles, and they're owned by Viacom. And but I don't know. That. But I don't know that Rocksteady's working with Warner Brothers again. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're owned by Warner Brothers. Are they? Yeah. Okay. I, that must. I must. I'm pretty must sure they're wholly owned brain. by Warner Brothers because oh. they. Well, then that sucks. <laughs> they were working with IDOS originally, and then IDOS got bought by Square. Square Enix, yeah. And so. I think Square technically published some versions of uh, Batman, and then Warner Brothers like because what could... pulled their publishing away and and started their own bigger publishing arm. Man, I just can't imagine what Roxy's been working on all these years, and how there hasn't been an inkling unless something was being worked on and then got scrapped, and then they started over on a different project or something. It's just so weird that it's been this long. We have zero word now. Besides that, was the they were supposed to apparently show off as well the rumored Harry Potter game yep. that got leaked. That we saw leaked footage of, which is funny because it was talked about that that was going to be done by Avalanche, not the Avalanche that does Just Cause probably, because but the Avalanche that did 
cars. Uh, yeah, cars and Disney Infinity and um, yeah, the Avalanche that does cars and Disney Infinity. People may not play those games because they're kids' games, but they're fantastic. Like yeah, they I've made heard that. they yeah. made Toy Story three, and Toy Story three had a mode in it called Toy Box mode that they ended up seeing that and being like, oh, let's create an entire Toys to Life genre based around this idea, mm-hmm. and it was wildly successful for a time. Uh, and it oh, was yeah. it was far superior to uh, to Skylanders in the creative aspect. So Avalanche makes great games, and uh, Disney when they got out of making video games and they shut down the um, the entire game department, mm-hmm. they got rid of uh, BlackRock Studios who made Split Second. Right. They got rid of. Um, <laughs> that uh, was a real shame. Like losing losing that was was a real shame. BlackRock was sweet. They also made Pure. Yep. before they made split second uh they got rid of uh, avalanche and and they laid all those people off and warner brothers came in and they scooped up that entire studio and they hired all those guys and then they made cars three yeah <laughs> so like this is what they, we're using this they talent went straight for. back to making a disney a game disney after game. disney fired all of them but That's the cars hilarious. games have been great yeah. like um the first cars game was actually made by rainbow studios who makes the mx versus atv games and then the the um the Avalanche guys basically just took their their game engine and expanded on it. Yeah. So I I have a lot of respect for those guys and I play a lot of weird games. <laughs> nice. So yeah, those are those are apparently two of the victims from <laughs> from what would have been I mean a ton of announcements, but we're still going to get announcements. Like yeah. it, it, Warner Brothers is still going to talk about that game in the week of E3 whether they do their own or if they go if they tag along with the Microsoft or something, even a Nintendo one which I don't really see being very realistic, but John we will see if E3 2021 will even be a thing. It might be. This might be the end of E3 as we uh, as we know it. All right. So next up, we're gonna talk about. I still have to cue it up, you know. So the podcast listeners yeah. get a little bit of the the good stuff here. Um. All right. Did so, you yeah. pause it or no? <laughs> no, no, I don't pause it. I don't even okay. edit this out. I like, wasn't sure because like, I was like, I could tell that you were like making your transition to the next topic. Oh, sure. So that's why I was like not adding anything to it. <laughs> I, I, I could have held on, but I chose I chose not to. Also, just as a little tip, you are peaking a little bit when you get overexcited. I'm sorry. So that's okay. You're okay. No reason to be sorry. I just don't want to blow out these poor folks' eardrums as we're as we're doing the cast here. So uh, the next up, we're going to talk about the Nintendo PlayStation. So I'm going to cue this up and then we're going to get started. All right. All right, here we go. All right, next up on the podcast today, John, we are talking about, once again, the Nintendo PlayStation and how it finally ended. Sort of. Kind of, in, in a weird way, but it ended at $300,000. And then when you tack on the 20% uh, buyer's fee that they have to pay to Heritage Auctions, it finished at $360,000. That's what some individual... Who we don't know who it is. Uh, supposedly the founder of Pets.com, oh. who got out before the 2000.com boom, bu- or the bubble burst. Okay. So he made a bunch of money <laughs> and got out. So he was the guy that ran the company that had the talking sock puppet dog uh, on the commercials. Oh, You right. don't remember that? I don't remember they, that at all. I believe they, they had a bunch of Super Bowl commercials back in like the 99s to oh, 2000s. Lordy. And it was all about... Um, shipping dog food directly to your door which uh i i deliver for the u.s postal service and if you order 50 pound bags of dog food to your door i hate you um. <laughs> all right so the pets.com owner yes. apparently won the bid for it well good congratulations to him however it was kind of strange because it ended at three hundred thousand, 
And before, but before it was ended at 300,000, it was at 350,000 for a little while. So it actually, like some bids were either retracted or canceled by Heritage. And yeah. I've been looking all over and I can't find anyone talking about it. So I don't know. And wasn't it, wasn't it at like 300 some thousand before it went into that like in-person bidding? I, I thought it was pretty high. I thought it was in the 200s when it went to the in-person. Well, see, I don't know. And unfortunately, I wasn't watching it close enough to like do like a day-by-day sort yeah, of Yeah, well, because I remember it. there was those stories coming out where Palmer Lucky, the guy that was part of the founders of uh, Oculus, was the high bidder. And I thought around the time where those Palmer Lucky stories came out, it was around three hundred and I, th- I thought I remember it being at that too. Yeah, and, and so, so I then, don't know what pulled those bids back. Yeah, yeah, I I wonder if Palmer Lucky actually was like if that was really him or if it was like some 4chan troll like pretending to be him because sure. obviously you could make a u- username on this heritage auction site that probably says Palmer Lucky well, but, and be like yeah. <laughs> but he tweeted out from his official account. Oh, did he? That he said. Like who's who's I'm I'm the current high bidder who's bidding against me or something mm-hmm. like that and that was I I swear that was closer when it was around two hundred thousand though okay but anyway we we made a wager well we didn't make a wager but we both guessed at what we thought it was going to end at yep now you had said do you remember what you had said I said between four hundred to six hundred thousand okay. dollars initially uh, and then you had said two hundred I had said two hundred thousand so technically if we're playing by the prices right rules I win yeah but if we're playing by who's Both. closest you would win so I'm going <laughs> to give it to you. Actually, if it 300,000, we're like actually kind of dead in the middle because if you were yeah. at four and I was at two, we're kind of a tie. But in any case, that's stupid with the stupid fee, though. With that fee, is, it pushed it up which towards is ridiculous. Zero. Yeah. That's well, the worst auction I've ever heard. Yeah, that is, that is crazy <laughs> to me that they, they get away with the Howie Robbery. Now, here's an interesting thought about this because I have a conspiracy theory tin hat that I'm going to put on later. But here's an interesting thing that a lot of people are talking about, and I haven't been able to confirm this either. But apparently, right when either bidding started or right before it started, Someone from Norway had offered $1.2 million for the device yep. to keep it from going to auction, to which the sellers refused and said they wanted to see it go to auction. That's the story. But again, I can't I can't find the actual, like, what happened because no one's really talking about it now. I've heard as much of a – I've heard different sides of it. One side as far as to say – well, there was someone who said they would pay up to a million dollars for it, but didn't actually make an offer. And then as much as the other side that says they offered 1.2 and they were flat out refused by the seller. So let's take into the consideration the latter. If if you, John, if, if you had a rare piece of game memorabilia, you had no idea what it was worth, and someone offered you 1.2 million, would you have taken it? Uh, yeah. You okay. <laughs> Yes. What do, they, what do they say? Uh, uh, of a bird in the hands better than two in the bush is that the is that I, the saying i don't know but it sounds very <laughs> sexy <laughs> it's 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 uh yeah i think that's something like something along those lines so you would take the 1.2 mil guaranteed well but like also this guy I, I heard reports and claims that before this auction even happened that he was paying out of pocket to drag this thing around the country and show right. it off that he had gone into debt showing yeah. it off over the last few years that's and, what i heard as well. and it made it it made it sound like he had gone into debt like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Well, I really hope not. Yeah. Because that makes the story a little bit sadder. Yeah. So I, th- that just boggled my mind. It's like, why would you do that? What? Like, I feel like the, the people that run Midwest Gaming Classic would probably pay you to bring your, your thing to their show because it's going to also bring people right. to at, their at show. At least pay for your airfare and hotel. Yeah. At least those two things. They may not pay you money. Like when Kitsune Khan invited, like, 
celebrities like streamers and stuff oftentimes they'll pay for your hotel and stay mm-hmm. and then give you free entrance to the conference obviously okay. but they oftentimes don't pay like lower level youtubers for that like like they would pay maybe a voice actor but I was often, say, is duke nukem making nothing from katsune Khan? well i think he makes a lot of his money doing autograph sessions and stuff like that but i don't know now that might be different because he is a voice actor little you know john st john's like you know um i know when i would talk to pro jared about it he would say he didn't get paid to go they just paid his hotel and airfare and he used that as a reason to come home and see his family and stuff because obviously they're from the area here um so i agree with you uh i probably would have taken the 1.2 million but i wonder if the seller built into his own hype and who at heritage auctions might have been telling him not to do that because one they wouldn't have got a cut yep but two because if it could have sold for a million they would have made $200,000 from selling one item if it sold for a million dollars. And I've run into shysters like that. And I really think that the Heritage Auction guys probably are shysters. Uh, I, I, you, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I have no love yeah. for Heritage, and, and we're going we're gonna to think conspiracy theory in a minute. I think they are shysty as hell. And I, I think Heritage and WADA together is a shady relationship. I've said that many times on here. Um but but heritage by themselves i don't think they are but when they started getting into the video game stuff they were in this weird circle with the the ex nintendo age guys that are wada guys that you know speaking of which i saw him that guy dennis khan who was on on pawn stars okay he was at c2e2 okay yeah they wada had a booth and of course they had a bunch of expensive games for sale that are twice as much as they're supposed to be or that they're selling for everywhere else and it's like and I, I'll tell you, at least five to ten comic book booths mm-hmm. had WADA graded games for sale. Factory Seal WADA games. Weird. It was weird. And it was also weird because there was one place that had a bunch of sealed games for sale that wasn't WADA. And that Dennis Khan guy was there behind the counter, like talking and chatting him up. And then his booth was like down a row and around the corner. Okay. Because then I was walking around, I'm like, oh, this is the WADA booth. He I thought was, that was the WADA booth. He was probably trying to get him to rate, grade their games. Well, no, they, like this place. Oh, it was their like, stuff. Probably? It seemed like it was. Well, it was it was already water graded stuff. Okay. It was like a whole booth of water graded stuff. They. Mu- I wonder if they spread their stuff around and been like, "Hey, if you have this at your booth and you sell it, we'll you'll give you get a, a commission cut. or something." Uh, maybe I think it's more so that they were probably, they probably set up that booth too, okay. but they had a water booth and then they just had like a game selling booth or something. I, I do think know. you're probably right on that wada probably blew a lot of smoke up that guy's butt to mm. to get him to auction it rather than taking because like i i when i was younger i had i did some dumb stuff with investments and i had some guy that was like oh you can make this much money if you do this this dumb thing and i was like oh that's yeah that, that sounds, sounds great <laughs> that sounds great yeah let's do that did you know did you think it was a dumb thing at the time no okay. i looking back on it obviously stupid. not or you wouldn't have yeah done it. <laughs> um the drunkest I've ever been in my life is oh. when I lost thirty thousand dollars. Oh no! But um, but I I feel like that's probably the case where he probably got that offer, and those those guys probably are like, "Oh, dude, that's nothing." When this goes right. to auction, we will get you this you're, much. You're gonna get that plus more. Yeah, I, I totally see that. And then thing. and they're just looking at it like. I'm going to make this much off this guy, and I'm going to do nothing. I'm surprised they didn't have Wada grade the system. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, they grade stupid stuff. They grade really I've stupid seen, stuff. They grade, they grade prototypes all the time. I've seen, I saw a graded Xbox One uh, um, Day One Edition, like a console in a giant plexi box. And it's like, 
Why? So stupid. Why would you do that? And, and here's the thing that the sucks capacitors are going to die in yeah, that thing. <laughs> it's it's not even that. Like I would do it because it does up the resale value. Like there are people out there who are who buy all integrated stuff, and and they're willing to go for it. You know, and so I I feel bad because it seems like the the, the vibe we got after the auction ended seeming from them seemed like the sellers were disappointed. It only sold for three hundred thousand dollars plus yeah. the sixty commission to Heritage. So we're not going to mention the Heritage commission. So it sold for three hundred thousand. Have we seen anything from them talking about? I don't think so. I think there might have been. I think just the articles were saying that they were disappointed. So I don't know okay. if people reached out or I don't know if they tweeted out. I don't know. But on the website though, it kind of looks like it may not have even sold. Well, well, right. So when when I went to Heritage, they kept telling me to log in. Now this might be for auctions that are over. Because when the auction was live, you could see without logging in what the bids were at. And you okay. could see all that stuff. Now you can't, and there's a button that says the seller might be open to offers if you click the button. Now, I don't think that's a conspiracy theory because I think that's just all auction items okay. say that after it's sold. But maybe payment hasn't gone through yet or something. So until payment goes through, the item's not pulled down. I don't know how Heritage works with that sort of thing. It seems like it's eBay 1997. It's 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 like eBay. Well, and that's the weird thing. And we also I can't get confirmation on this either because there's not a lot of details, a lot of speculation, not a lot of details. We also don't want to make a login to look at that dump. Right, site. I'm not I'm not making a stupid account. <laughs> Me neither. So, um, it was at it got lowered. Right, we knew the bid was higher for a while. Then it got lowered for some reason. I heard that the final bid was made in person. Okay. Because that was the thing was for, there was going to be like a two day or three day end of after the online and phone bidding was done. There was going to be an in-person auction. Rumor has it that there was a one bid at that live auction and that's what pushed it to 300,000. So, okay. I mean, that makes sense, except who's traveling to go to this auction live, except someone who obviously has a lot of money to blow on this item, but yeah. there was only one in-person bid for that. Uh, that that's, that's weird. You know, like you, there was a lot of hype around this device. So, I do feel bad for them if they expected more and they didn't get it, you know, be, but the market is the market and something I always say is something's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. So if it sold for 300,000, it's worth 300,000. Now the next one that shows up inevitably shows up because rumor has there's 200 of these out there, which I mean, how many got 200 is not a lot. And obviously yeah. a lot probably got destroyed and recalled and sent back to wherever. I would I would guess there's at least five left in personal collections that we don't know about. Just people over the years that picked it up in the late nineties, early two thousands when it wasn't anything and no one cared and it was just some junk and whatever. So I know that so if say the next one pops up, if if I had to guess, I'd say within the next year we'll have the next Nintendo PlayStation will show up. It will it will wake up. Will it go for more or will it go for less? I think it will go for more. I would assume it would go for more. Yeah. Then I would say if a third one shows up, it would go for less. Because you're going to have people who missed out on this first one going for the second one. But clearly, people don't seem to want to push over 300000 Like, whoever wanted this must have known that there was another option out there. Because if this is a truly one-of-a-kind item, and you're willing to spend 300000 on it, why not three sixty? Or four hundred, or five hundred. Like, like, what's your cutoff, right? Like, if I'm bidding on a game and it's supposed to sell for about a hundred bucks, and I go up to a hundred, and it's in dead mint condition, I don't think I'll see another one. I'll go to one twenty, or one thirty, or one forty. Like, that's within my range. So, what's the range on that? Is kind of my, you know, I, I wonder about. I guess I would think that the the market for or the the amount of people that want that 
is probably very small though like that have the type of money to spend on that type of item that are willing to throw it into something that realistically is may not make a return on their investment like it's it's a very bizarre item that that not a lot of people are going to have the money to throw around to get i mean and there's there's plenty of people that buy stupid stuff but maybe not yeah and it's i think it's part of partially that people don't know what it is and so then then they're not necessarily as invested because like i owned a game that uh was never released in in the u.s like i bought it from a friend that got it from a guy who bought it out in nintendo's warehouse it was a mountain bike rally speed racer it was a combo cart and that game was it was at bally fitnesses and an exercise bike right right yep and the if you took the exercise bike apart the the it had a Super Nintendo console and then there was a giant brick on top of it that was basically the size of the Super Nintendo console and that was that game inside that giant box. Well, the thing that I got was a regular retail release, well retail styling release in a normal Super Nintendo box. I had it sealed; it still had a hang tab on it and everything. And there's rumor that a case of like 36 of them made out of Nintendo's warehouse. Well, I bought it. Uh, I bought it probably back in 2004 for 250 bucks and i sold it in 2011 for 2300 bucks sure and that's a good turnaround so i made a decent return on my investment honestly i still i wish i still had it yeah it's only gonna keep going yeah i built a computer (laughs) with what i got from it and i bought my wife's engagement ring but see that's a that's good stuff yeah don't feel bad about but uh but the the reason why I think that sold for not a huge, huge, huge amount was that not a lot of people know what it is. Right. Um, I I was one of the first or one of the few pictures on online of that game was taken by me. Yeah. Um, there was a Racquetball article that actually used a picture I took <laughs> because he wrote an article about like the ra- rarest Super Nintendo games and he didn't have a picture of it. So I went in my video game room and I took a picture of it and I sent it That's to awesome. him. That's awesome. And so the next time that thing sells it's probably going to sell for a hell of a lot more because maybe it's, it's realistically rarer than stadium events most likely yeah and stadium events was a 500 dollar game 15 yeah. years ago and, and what's the difference between those two games stadium events has had all this coverage yep. all this awareness brought to it and that bally bicycling who cares a crap game right <laughs> it, nobody even knows what that is right yeah i so, agree with that so yeah i think i think as as time goes on, if it keeps coming up for auction, I think it will get, I, I think it'll get higher yeah. until until somebody just stops selling it. It'll get to a collector that wants to hold on to it. Yeah, no, that that's um that's really interesting, and and I think that's fair. So what drives up a value? One, it's the rarity of the item, and two, it's the popularity of the item. It ha- it has to be both to get to like crazy numbers. Like you said, stadium events is the perfect example. It's gotten so much notoriety over the last few years that it, it, it's got a mythos around it now now people want it yeah you know that game until someone breaks the thing you know until someone says oh i have a complete super nintendo collection and this was the rarest thing in it is this game and all of a sudden all the news sites take off and all the collecting blog all the blogging sites and all the collectors forums blow up until all that happens that game will hold less of a value even though like you said it's technically more rare 
Yeah, when I saw, I was looking at research. I was doing a little bit of research before I put it up on eBay, and uh, did it bid out by the way, or did you put a buy it now? I, it, I had a reserve of two thousand, and then it bid up to like twenty seven hundred, and then the the top guy backed out. Okay, and then the second guy ended up emailing me and being like, "Hey." I'm interested. Let's do it outside of eBay to save fees. Nice. Um, and so we did that. Ironically, so I, I, the guy that was buying it was from New Jersey, and we're in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And when I went to like get this guy's information to send him the game, I was like, "Why do you have a nine two zero phone number?" Because nine two zero is the, the area, area code, code of Green here, Bay yeah. and like the surrounding area, and he's like, "Oh, I'm from Appleton originally," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Which is like thirty minutes south of <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, so I'm like, "I'm I'm in Green Bay. You're buying this from somebody that was twenty minutes yeah. away from where you grew up." Man, that's wild. But yeah, the so the one of the auctions that that didn't sell before I I put mine on eBay, um, somebody wanted seven thousand. $500 for this that game I ended up selling and in the in the body of the article of the uh post he's like he's like only 12 copies known to exist in the United States still sealed and I was just thinking to myself I'm like I don't remember going to like this big like clandestine round table meeting where we all discussed the current like condition of our game and mm. whether it was sealed or not it's like he has no way of yeah. backing up that claim you were granted permission to sell your copy and, and yeah. you were you were expunged from the group from the council <laughs> so okay so that's a great story by the way i'm glad you shared that that's awesome um so now it's conspiracy theory time okay so i'm putting on my tinfoil hat which I often do on this podcast. I think and you should I'm, get a real tinfoil hat. <laughs> I should actually just like plop it on. So I I don't necessarily believe this, but this is the conversations I like to think about. So just so anybody out there listening, like if you watch this on YouTube and you're like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, be like, okay, fair enough. I'm not saying I believe it necessarily. I'm just saying something to think about. Here's what I think about. Here's my tinfoil hat conspiracy with the Heritage Auction. I think either someone from WADA or Heritage Auctions put up the bid to try to push the bids higher. And I think they tried to push the bid higher when they realized that nobody else was going to bid. They had to remove it and back it down. Okay. And that's why it ended where it ended. That's why there was a bid. Now, it could be something as simple as someone bid and it was a fake bid. So they had to remove it. Or somebody bid and canceled their bid. I don't know how it works with Heritage. I don't know how much. Maybe you have a time after like 24 hours you can retract bids. I don't know ebay doesn't like ebay doesn't technically let you or they let you do it a few times without getting in trouble but you're not supposed to obviously yeah. it's a quote-unquote binding contract ebay has a lot of shenanigans whenever anything oh yeah trends i personally people used, roll in and bid yeah, up i personally stuff. used to push up my auctions on ebay in like the in the, in the late 90s like that was my <laughs> thing early, early 2000s I, I would do that and it was terrible like, i gotta look at it, i know i'm i'm a i'm a dick bag like i know it sucks i shouldn't have done it i was like 21 and i was like this is so cool man i'm gonna make as much money as possible and it was stupid okay did you ever I win took... your own auction yes i had <laughs> auctions that i would win and then i would have to like did you have to pay like the fees and stuff uh no i would just say that they never paid and oh, then eventually okay. that account would get in trouble and then i had to make a new one it was so stupid it didn't happen very often maybe it happened i think twice okay um because back then you i actually would like retract bids and it, what i don't want to get into it because you know what I'm, I'm embarrassed by it it's it's terrible i never should have done it <laughs> So that's my conspiracy theory, though. I, I feel like two, it's a two-part thing. One we already talked about. I think, and this may not even be a conspiracy theory, but I think people from WADA and from Heritage probably pressured the seller to not sell it 
to that person for 1.2 million if that was indeed a legit offer. I I I agree. I think they probably convinced him to right. do it on their side. Which side. which would you be you'd think that story would come out because if that happened, that person would probably be pissed off at those people. Um but I also think that too there could have been some auction manipulation, but more so they might have actually believed it would sell for more because they spend all this time promoting it and hyping it. And like, it was such a hubbub on the heritage auction sites. I mean, every time something goes up in heritage or anything to do with WADA, they always send an email out to different bloggers and different YouTubers and say, Hey, check this out. Like it's a big advertising push for them. So I truly believe, I truly believe that, that the seller was manipulated to not take the deal. Originally, I will say that I believe that. Yeah. Tinfoil hat of <laughs> the tinfoil hat part of me says it's possible that they even were trying to fake bids, and it couldn't even have been. It could have been without heritage's, you know, them even knowing, right? Like it could have been someone from WADA or someone else who had a vested interest. Maybe somebody else who owns one it has nothing to do with those companies. Maybe somebody who owns one was trying to push it up so that they could sell theirs for more, or or so I don't know. You know, it's but hey, that's that's the conspiracy theory stuff. So tinfoil hat off. Back to regular conversation, but I had to, that was like, it, the idea ran through my head, so I had to, had to channel it out. I, I, I really want to go onto Hershey's website and see if we can get you like a Hershey kiss hat. So that way, if Let's, you ever. I can get a tinfoil hat. <laughs> yeah. I will, well, you got to make your own tinfoil hat. Well, John, but I mean, the Hershey kiss would be adorable. Um, okay, it would yeah. be. We uh, can make so a Hershey kiss hat. My, my question on this would be, I wonder how many people went to eBay and typed in Nintendo PlayStation. Because I'm willing to bet that a lot of people that heard like, oh, this thing is getting auctioned. I'm going to go to the auction site that everybody on the planet knows about. And then they're like, oh, it's not on here. And I wonder if they would have made more money on eBay. I don't. Because I think anyone who'd have the money to buy this, who's that hardcore of a collector, would would have been informed of this or, or in their circles, they would have seen it. Cause it was pretty hard to avoid this. Even like I had people coming in the stores, like asking me about yeah. it. Like, did I know anything about it? Um, but the, here's another interesting thought. So we've been seeing WADA talk about how comic book and art collectors are getting into video game collecting. And yeah, they mostly buy sealed stuff, but like there's all these stories about how like a dentist spent five hundred thousand dollars on like 10 sealed games or something wasn't crazy it, wasn't it like, it was like a million a, dollars on 42 games yeah, maybe that's what it was i forget yeah, the number I, I did do a I did talk about it in the podcast like whenever it was it was like yeah. last summer or something so how did none of those people buy this and yeah. invest in this either you know because you're talking about investments this is literally as far as we know right now one of a kind and i would think which this i know be, there's more out there but you know. i would think this would be a more worthwhile investment than 42 random nes games well here's what it tells me yes (laughs) here's what it tells me it tells me that the people who are really in the know probably know that there's more out there and that they're going to be coming up for auction soon well it's really it's such an odd thing but there was a guy uh years ago then this might be wrong but so the nintendo world championship cartridge and the gold and the the gray carts um there was a guy that was contacting all of the winners of all those cartridges years later and being like, hey, you won this thing 20 years ago. I'll give you 150 bucks for it if you still have it or something. Sure, like he reaching was, out to the original winners to try yeah, to buy their copy. Because uh, when you smart, have a contest, actually. you have to report 
you have to take the names down and, and report the winners. And then usually people, if they wanted to, could contact Nintendo or a different company, whatever, and they could get a list of those names. And so this guy got that list of names, and then he went down one by one and said, hey, do you have this thing still? And he bought up a lion's share of them hmm. and then started selling them off at ten or eight. Ten, fifteen thousand dollars a piece. Interesting. And uh, that guy, um, I, I heard the story through a couple people that post on like digital press uh, forums and stuff. And uh, that guy is like notorious on their forums and and very hated okay. <laughs> because he's smarter than everybody because he figured it out and he cornered the market on it. And I've also seen other people where they're they're buying up some weird random garbage game getting as many copies as they can to pretty much corner the market on it and to artificially inflate mm -hmm. the the value of that well i i literally pulled this scheme in the world of warcraft auction house okay so if i was gonna sell like say i went on the auction house and i sell my stack of like 10 bars for a gold stack or whatever i'd go on there and i'd put them all up for a gold and if all of a sudden i look the next day and there's a whole bunch up there for like 90 silver 80 silver i would take them all i would buy them all and okay. then re-put them all back up at a gold. And I just kept doing that. And eventually people had to buy mine at a gold. And so I would sell them and then I would put those back up. And I wasn't really making, like, I was making money just playing the auction house. It was it was kind of stupid. and like, But that's how I made a ton of money in that game okay. to, like, buy my mounts and things like that in, in the earlier years. And and so, like, that, that makes total sense to me. And that's, I mean, I could see why people would hate that. It's kind of ingenious. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I had a friend who was going around to all the family videos a couple years ago. And he would go there and say, because you can ask Family Video if they have a game on the shelf, if they'd sell it to you. And if they check their rental history and it hasn't rented for quite a few months, they'll sell it to you. Yep. He bought every Metroid Prime trilogy and every Fire Emblem's Radiant Dawn <laughs> for Wii from every Family Video, mostly in Green Bay and Appleton. Damn. And he got them all for like between 5 and $15 a piece. Yep. I mean, and he, he killed at that. And that was when Metroid Prime trilogy was more. Now it's not so much. But that's how I got uh, uh, Ogre Battle. Uh, for PS1 was uh, I I went up there and was like hey can I can I buy this from you and they're like sure yeah, no and they looked it up prime. and they're like five bucks I was like yes That's and awesome. then I had to boil the disc to get they used to put these giant stickers uh, that were orange over the entire disc yeah so I had to boil the disc in water did to you get that to work off. yeah. Yeah, now you you actually put it in the water. You don't just yep. steam it. You I actually boiled it. I threw it in the water and I boiled it. That's incredible. And then I slowly peeled it off. I used Goo Gone to to get the rest of the residue off because those those things were like oh they're cement bad. They're on bad. There. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it worked just fine after I did it. It's incredible. Yeah. So all right, John. So what is your prediction for when we will see the next Nintendo PlayStation show up magically out of the blue? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I would say five years. Within five years? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be necessarily that quick. Because um, realistically, it could be in some sort of weird tech hoarder's house. Yeah, uh, I, I think we're going to see word of it. Either Not even that it's necessarily going to be for sale, but just that there is one that exists. I think we're going to see one within a year. From like let's do let's do like next March. I think by next March, we'll hear of the existence of a second Nintendo PlayStation. In and better I, condition. In better condition. And I, <laughs> and I will tell you that I'm sure the people that will start making the announcement will be Dennis Khan of Wada Games and people, and people from Heritage Auctions will be talking about it because they're trying so hard to get to a million-dollar piece of video game history. I think they really thought this was going to be it. Yeah. They really thought that this was going to break the million-dollar mark because it was funny because I was talking to somebody today in the store about 
rare stuff. And they had mentioned, like, he, he said something like, because he was with a kid, and the kid had said something about something being really rare and expensive. And the guy said, like, is there anything like that? Like, is there stuff worth, like, thousands of dollars? I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I said, you know, there's nothing like comics where we have stuff that's over a million, but we're getting closer to some piece of memorabilia one day being a million-dollar item. I still think we're probably 20, 30 years away from something like that. Yeah. And then we have to hope that the people that love that stuff are willing to pay that much for it. You know, I don't know. It's 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 weird, you know. Like, they're saying now that this is going to be the first generation that doesn't make more money than their parents did. And so if we're not seeing that generation make more money than the generation before, then we may not see the things that are worth money be worth more in the future. Because if people who are interested can't buy them, then it's not going to go up in value. Well, and the the nostalgia for games like games can be gotten in different ways so realistically somebody might not be willing to pay ten thousand dollars for a playstation one game when they could emulate it yep or get it in a different way it's which arguably you could say you could make the same argument about getting a reprint issue of amazing fantasy 15 yeah or or getting like like reading it online in pdf form but that's also a comic that's the first appearance of an iconic superhero that's yeah. gone through all media. We're not just talking, I mean, we're talking games, movies, comic books, uh, TV shows, cartoons, all that stuff. The iconic games get made million. They make millions and millions of copies of. Exactly. So those are the Very games different. that aren't worth anything and, for the most part. And has there been a game that came out and was not super rare and then spawned a character that became like the largest idol in video gaming history? No. I mean, there's Mario brothers, which now obviously the collectors are finding the subsets like well this boxed mario is the first print that was only east coast west coast when it was not shrink wrapped but circle sealed like they're finding the rare in the in the common <laughs> but it's still common like there's no there's no game like the closest i can get is something like the near automata black box where that game came out with a collector's edition square enix store exclusive mm-hmm. online and no one really bought it because it was a game that no one knew was going to be any good. And right. then the game blows up, and it's incredible. And I and, wish and, I bought that game yeah. really badly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did have it, and I sold it recently, actually. Nice. I sold it uh, I sold it in the store not too long ago. Is that 600 bucks? Yeah, 599 oh. And I think I paid, oh. though. I think I paid 300 for it. Was like, it, it wasn't cheap. Yeah, it was pricey. It was up there. It was up there. So it's not like, I mean, so the investment wasn't even that great anyway. But, yeah, I'm going to say, this will be the final word on I'm going to say within one year we're going to hear about the existence of a second nintendo playstation well for the record for anybody that may own a second nintendo playstation if wada calls you run hang up (laughs) run for the hills (laughs) deal with someone else amazing so finally john in the podcast today and and again sorry for all the listeners who feel like we're really going heavy on gamestop stuff but we have a little bit of a gamestop story and this one was too big to pass up we had to talk about it Reggie fils the ex-Nintendo of America, was he CEO, right? Was uh, he, he, was, he was CEO of the American... Of the American yeah. branch. Reggie fils he's, he's he's memefied at this point, you know? There's all the, my body is ready memes, and like, and I actually really always enjoyed listening to Reggie talk, because he would talk, and there was like a certain aspect of the business side, which I liked how he talked about, but he he talked to us, like, I, he, he, he seemed to be right in the middle of the talking about business, talking about games, kind of in the middle. I, I always just liked listening to him talk. I'm not saying I'm a super big fan of his or anything. I'm just saying I always thought he was fine. He was fine. Well, apparently GameStop thinks he might be able to help them out because on, was that Monday? 
Yep, Monday. On Monday, GameStop and Reggie kind of co-announced on Twitter that they were bringing Reggie Fizme on to the board of directors for GameStop. Full stop. They're bringing on Reggie. And so obviously all the blogs blew up. Reggie's going to save GameStop all nonsense. John, do you think Reggie Fizeme, and I don't know how much you know about boardrooms and how much like, you know, board of directors actually, or the board of directors actually does, or members of the board actually do. Do you think Reggie Fizeme will save GameStop? Well, first off, I was hoping that you you were going to start and tease this by saying the PetSmart <laughs> the PetSmart guy is on the board of directors. Also, Reggie. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and they and they did add, I think, two other. Yeah, um, uh, uh, higher up from Walmart. Uh, was it Walmart or was it like say, Super Super Value or something? I don't. I don't it, remember. It, it, it was definitely a guy that that worked for Walmart. Okay. Uh, for a while, it was a guy from PetSmart. And then Reggie, and then one other guy. Yep. Um, I, my opinion on Reggie, I feel like that was the point in Nintendo where they stopped treating all of their fans like they were children. Like he started bringing on or bringing in more mature games. He started like there was a point where Nintendo kind of felt like they would tell you, "You don't actually want that." Those, those online features, you don't actually want those. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, we do. We really do. So um, so, the... so I respect Reggie for that. Um, do I think that he's going to necessarily save GameStop? I think he might help, but I don't know that any board member of a company is necessarily going to be able to push the change that Correct. may be needed to, to turn things around majorly. Now, if they said that he was a VP and they appointed him to, like, a VP position, that has more actual hands-on to the day-to-day and the direction of where the company is going to go. So I don't... I think this was probably more of a flashy move um, because Shane Kim, the, the head of Xbox, was on uh, GameStop's board of directors for years and they eventually made him he uh he stepped into the interim ceo position for about six months to a year but that didn't help in a big right. way um so and and there's a lot of companies that have people on their board of directors that are kind of almost a ceremonial position uh where there'll be a somebody that's on a major major company and they're 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 running their own company but then they're also on the board of directors of walmart are they right. doing anything that makes news? Not really. They're just kind of there to 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 be a right. vote. Which arguably conflict of interest, maybe you know, Walmart's kind of killing them with yeah. some game sales here. But so, I agree with most of what you said there. The only thing I have to go back and disagree with you on is the a little bit of the Reggie thing. So, like I said, I do I do like him. I've always liked like I thought he had a good presence for sharing information. I liked how he delivered his message. Mm-hmm. However, I, I do really feel like he was just a mouthpiece for Japan. I, I yeah. really do believe that. I believe he, he was not able to enact any change. He was just there to deliver Japan's message to us. Okay. And, and so, I mean, I do still respect how he did it. I liked that. But I think ultimately he didn't have any say in any change no. at all. <laughs> I, I, really, I really believe that. I, I really do. I just think Nintendo's such a Japanese company that he didn't have any foot in the door. But again, I'm, I'm just saying that based off of what I think, just in a difference of opinion i agree with everything else you said after that um it is a and i actually think that he was kind of a 
at the end there, he's doing he's going to do for GameStop what essentially he was doing for Nintendo at the end. He's just like this this like persona that gets gamers on board. And so if he, if he's on the board of GameStop, like look at all the articles were already Reggie, you know, GameStop hired Reggie, they, they Reggie to save the company. He he's on the board of directors. I mean, he, he's not even he's not a VP like you said. He's not a CEO. He's not a CFO. He's not a COO. He's just he he's literally on the board, which has some influence. Did you know Shaquille O'Neal is on the board of Papa John's? Do you uh, think Do you think Shaquille O'Neal influences how the pizza at Papa John's is made? I I heard they were considering replacing him as the uh, face of Papa John's. <laughs> so so I think being a board, being a member, you have some influence, right? You can sit on the board and say, "I think we should do this," and then if the other six people go, "I think you're wrong." Then you don't get to do anything. It's not like he's somehow like this, this is such a weird thing to me that people don't understand how this works. Like instantly everybody's like, oh, Reggie this, Reggie that. It's not going to happen. Is it going to help? I totally agree with you. I think it could. One, it's an image thing. And two, he might have good ideas. He might have really good ideas that he could bring to the table and say, you should do this. And if they listen to him and they enact those things, it could work. But what does Reggie know about the video game retail side of business besides working at a company that just sold to retailers. Right. It's a lot different being a distributor than it is being a retailer. So he he's played both sides. Like he knows how Nintendo deals with GameStop. So how does he, how does he know anything about how GameStop has to deal, then deal with the customer? It's just, you know, I, I don't, I mean, again, a name, great name, popular name, a lot of clout. What is he actually going to do? Nothing. I, I really believe that like nothing will come of this. Well, and and Shane Kim, while he was on the board of directors, yeah. you weren't hearing massive deals with Microsoft and GameStop to to like push the industry forward or anything like that. So I don't think that Reggie being on the board is going to necessarily result in any major deals yeah. and and huge change. Yeah, I just don't think there's. I mean, now arguably you could say that Reggie was in charge of the American branch of nintendo which ultimately is an entertainment company if gamestop is going in some interesting new direction where they're turning a lot of their stores into these like fun centers and they want to start doing their birthday parties and they want to start doing all that stuff say they do <laughs> say they do he could help probably facilitate that and maybe he would be there to make a nice handshake relationship between nintendo and gamestop maybe nintendo supplies the entertainment for these birthday parties it's an advertising thing whatever Sure. So that might be possible if they're changing their model, but as they are right now, where they have such a heavy focus on tech trade-ins, like what's Reggie adding to that? Like, like nothing, nothing at all, except the positive press of being along for the ride. Like that might be the first positive press GameStop's had in what, five years Four? I I don't know. I don't know the last time a positive story came out about GameStop minus the Reggie story. The concept of doing a child's birthday at a GameStop is the craziest we, thing I've we, ever heard. See, we know that because we worked in stores that are tiny. Yeah. Now, if there was one store per city, like obviously in Appleton is 3349, which is the College Avenue store. It used to be a Payless shoe store. It's a standalone GameStop. It's not in a strip center. It's not in a mall. It's a standalone building. Yeah. It's huge. They could totally do that. But like, but being the employee that has to like facilitate yeah. that party and like, What's all but then like <laughs> also like be short staffed and deal with yes. trade-ins and all this other crap. What you deal with at GameStop <laughs> is consistent payroll cutting because GameStop yeah. knows, I'm just going to, and I'll do this really quick. I know there's people out there rolling their eyes at like, I'm talking about GameStop for this long again, but GameStop cuts things that are quantifiable. 
payroll is quantifiable. So it's easy for GameStop to say, hey, you want to save a hundred thousand bucks? Every store is going to cut five hours of payroll this week. Boom, we just saved a hundred thousand bucks. That's quantifiable. What you can't quantify is the number of sales lost by having one person in the store mm. doing a trade-in, eight people in line, two people walk out the store. You don't know what they were going to buy. But since it's not quantifiable, it's not considered a loss. So they don't care about that. So knowing what we know about how GameStop operates with its payroll, how are they going to do these birthday parties? Are you going to have a, Are you going to expect a third key who's, which is just a, okay, let's see. It's a senior, entry level senior, manager. Yeah, entry level, part-time manager. So senior game advisor, senior game as a senior game leaders what the, what the uh, hell do they call them I, I forget are they still because you were senior game advisor senior game advisor still okay you can expect them to be working alone on a saturday and then managing a party like how is that going to work it's not so are you going to pay someone just to supervise and make this a fun party event how are you going to afford that yeah and are you going to charge them more than that employee is going to make per hour? I mean, maybe, but who's going to pay that? Like, do they do they really think they're going to be like Chuck E. Cheese? Well, places is that what they that, think? Places that do birthday parties charge like three hundred bucks. Well, I guess that is fair. Yeah. They do charge a but lot. But like, what would they offer? Like, what just being around video games? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, are they going to have demo units set up? Like, hey, you can play the PS3 demo. You can come here and play that for free. Yeah. PS3 demo, PS4 demo. I should say. I'm I'm aging myself in my time at GameStop, but. <laughs> So anyway, um, I'm gonna get off that. I'm gonna get off the subject of that because I want to talk more about the news that's not getting any coverage in the story. What's that? I want to talk about the people who left the board of directors. Okay. In particular, one person. Dan Demato or Dan Demario. Now, yeah. do you, do you know that name when you first saw it, or did you just know it? I from... did. I did know his name. Yeah. Okay. Dan Demario was there the company when I was there. He's one of the original founders, I believe, of software, et cetera, slash Babbage's. Like he's one of the originals. Is he somebody you liked? Uh yeah, he was well, he was like a sweet old man, but whenever okay. <laughs> whenever he was at conference, he'd come out on stage and like, you guys are great. And he's like he's like I think he's like an ex oil tycoon or something. I don't okay. know. Is these Texas billionaires? I don't I can't keep track of them all. He's a Monopoly man. <laughs> yeah, he's a Monopoly guy. But I remember him always being really nice. Okay. You know, and there's him and there's the one that looks like a cowboy where he's taller and skinnier, had like longer hair and wore a cowboy hat. Like that's, um, it's it's Dan DiMatteo and he left a while ago. I, just, I forget his name. Damn it. I forget his name. Anyway, Dan DiMatteo leaving the board is very weird to me. Yeah. Now, not like him being on the board the last 10 years has helped, but they talked about bringing Reggie on and bringing all these new faces on. Oh, and by the way, one of the original founders of the company, he's just going to go away. Well, they like, talked about term limits on the board members of like five years, yeah. which is like, okay. And and I want to say Dan DiMatteo, he had to have been, he, maybe it was before the GameStop days, but he was CEO or CFO for a while. Like he had yep. his time of leadership at the company too, arguably when the times were good. Now that doesn't mean much. You know, when a ship, when a ship is sinking, oftentimes they'll just push somebody up. They're like, here you go. Ride the wave, man. Take us down. We're just going to, we got our golden parachutes. We're going to float to safety. But I thought that was really interesting. And nobody's talking about that. Like nobody who saw this story did any legwork to read into it further. And yeah. I know that Dan DiMatteo is not like a hometown name to anybody outside the company. His family might like That's him. a big deal. It's it's a big deal uh, that he's leaving the company. Yeah. Now, he could have just been retiring. He could have been like, you know what? And he's old. He's he's older than dirt, you know. Well, so he was older when you were in the He was company, old when I was so. there. You know, he was probably sixty when I was there. So that's twenty that's twenty years ago. So he's eighty now, yes, good, get off the board. And that might be it. But I love how that just got brushed under the rug along with these other people leaving because Reggie, you know, it's almost like they, they did they brought him on just to soften the blow. Cause what's gonna happen to shareholders if you go, Oh, so we're restructuring the board a little bit, everybody. No reason to panic. 
but by the way, the one guy who's been here forever is leaving. <laughs> like, the last guy who was, like, the last bastion of this successful company is gone. <laughs> like, like, well, and then they're, like, wait, a bunch of people are like, uh-oh. And they're, like, going, for, they're reaching for the, the sell stock button, you know? They're, like, sell the stock. And then, like, but wait, we got Reggie. Can you check where the stock is at right now? Sure. Because uh, it was at, like, three or four bucks. I think it's the only stock I track on my phone. Because the stock market in general, the like the last it, week, it has is been at slaughtered. F- it closed at four dollars a share. Okay. So it's not as bad as it was. It looks like. Let me see if I can. Uh, in the last week, it was as low as three point seven, and it went up as high as four point three with the news of Reggie coming on board. Okay. So it had a temporary, temporary boost. Um, charts and stuff it's fun i kind of wonder if the covid19 crap wasn't going on if that would have been a better bump because the uh, yeah the it's not coronavirus helping. is slaughtering the stock market i think right now. yeah i think anybody well that in the oil thing yeah the, the oil issue between opec and russia and everything, Arabia, yeah that, that's yep. more of a big deal but yeah. like people are kind of flagging it as covid but i don't want to get into it but I don't know. It's not helping, obviously, yeah. but I think anybody with like day trading common sense like that <laughs> is not invested in GameStop. The only people left there are the people who are hanging on, hoping there's a buyout or hoping that something happens to push the stock price. Oh, That's God. only people left. Stock related uh, and GameStop ish related. I had a customer years ago that um, uh, what was the Mad Cats? So. He had invested heavily in Mad Cats oh, right before the Rock, rock band, band deal oh, came no. down. Oh, no. And and he would come in to the Marinette GameStop that I was running, and he would ask me, like, hey, how's how's it doing? How's it pre-ordering? And I was just like <laughs> – and he was asking me about, like, general, like, like very businessy related questions about the health of Mad Cats. And I'm, like, thinking to myself, dude – you invested tens of thousands of dollars in this company. I'm not the guy to be asking yeah. this. You might want to talk to a professional. He he did not do well. No. Nope. <laughs> he did not make out in that investment. No, that, and that really sucks too because Harmonix just always comes out unscathed, man. And yep. I like Harmonix, so I don't want to see them go out of business they either. They some good deals. <laughs> but they always seem to attach to some company and then they, like, it's like, Right before they fall into the lava, they push off the dead body, pushing the body into the lava, and then they somehow land on another body. Yeah, because like and they're just able to still like ride this wave out of the gutter. Like Drop Mix didn't do anything, uh, which I bought all of the cards for Drop Mix that I get my hands on, but that that game failed. But they're fine. They're mm-hmm. making another game. Yeah, they're on it. Harmonix is fine. Yeah. Hey, maybe they'll kickstart another game. You know, and then <laughs> even though they have the money to make it, they'll just kickstart another one. Be I, fine. I'm in the credits for the the amplitude that they kickstarted, and God, I hate the songs in that game. Oh, and it's rough. Ugh. It's rough. I and I'm listening. But, uh, the soundtrack in my car is the amplitude original soundtrack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I my... faced out that game on the wall the other day, and I was like, "Damn, this is a good game." That and frequency. I'm like, yeah, "I'm facing both these out. I yeah. don't really care." My daughter was like, "Turn this down." <laughs> She's like, "I don't want to hear this music." <laughs> on that kind of related note, did you ever play the Rock Band for PSP? Yes. Okay, I'll say because it's like yeah, it's like literally just frequency or yep. amplitude. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yep. So I love it. we will revisit this story though. So we'll get off the t- uh, subject for now. We'll revisit this next time when we find out in another year or so if this had any impact. But we're gonna find out. I mean, all we can do is wait and see. Will Reggie Fils-Aimé be able to save Nintendo 
I don't know. I do think he's going to be on stage during manager conference, and we'll probably see something along the lines of that because obviously he's a good mouthpiece that can really rev up a crowd. Yeah, I so, agree yeah, with that. I think maybe this is their way of not paying Jeff Keeley and all of those other guys to do the, the hosting duties. Just have Reggie come in and just do sure. it for the three days or whatever. He will come out to thunderous applause, yep. no doubt. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for the news stories for today, John. We're already through another podcast. We have our games of the week picked out. We have our pickup piles of the week, both pretty respectable piles again. And so let's start with our game of the week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it to you first. What oh, is the game slide over. of the week? Oh, well, now this part's never – I don't ever do this All right. uh, video. Oh, I, I had to get So mine. you're fine if you have to go reach it. It's all, right. it's all good. Well, I'm, I'm beautiful, so you should do it on video. Um, so my game of the week, and I'm not kidding. This is not ironic. Uh, is Dog's Life for the PlayStation 2, which Ooh. is published by Hip Games, and I thought it was going to be garbage because Hip Games does not publish good games. Typically, they they publish trash. Yes, yeah. like uh, like like uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, shovelware, shovelware yeah. trash. Yeah, know. they were PS2 shovelware. Um, do you know who Frontier Studios is and what they've made? Sounds familiar, but I cannot recall off the top of my head. Uh, so Frontier Studios. Uh, made the roller coaster tycoon series oh sure and they made the the jurassic park uh park builder game that came out recently Uh, oh Um, the new one yeah they also did scream ride and then they did um zoo tycoon uh the newer zoo tycoon and then they did uh um the coaster planet game that's going to be coming out to consoles soon got uh and dog's life is a open world kind of mario-ish platformer where you are a beagle named jake that has to like you're, you're running around you're finding collectibles and you're trying to like uh like rescue other breeds of dogs and stuff can i just comment real quickly on how stupid the cover of this box is, yes, it is. <laughs> like the art on the front of this box is so stupid so it says dog's life. It's got kind of like cartoony font and it's like the word dog's life. The words dog's life have like the colors of the dog, which is a, be- a beagle. Then it's got this CG rendered dog with the J collar. And it's like, he's giving this weird look like, Hey, how you doing? And then behind him off to the right are, I'm assuming are two dog catchers. One yep. looks like a guy wearing a, is that a boxing yeah, protective like a headgear, boxing headgear and a and a and a doctor's jacket that's way too tight? Yeah, he looks like he's got some some nice. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. And, and then like an evil Cruella Deville type woman in a purple dress, and then behind them, further in the center of the box, is just a whole bunch of dogs. Yes. So that that is, I mean, I guess it's literally telling you what the game's about. You're a dog trying to rescue the other dogs from these two people. Have you ever played this game? I have not. All right. So the greatest part about this game uh, is. You can put in a button combination, and Jake will poop. Uh, so, and you can do it as much as you want. And then once you pooped, you can pick up the poop in the dog's mouth and run around with it. And when you bark while there's poop in the dog's mouth, it makes a squishing noise. <laughs> and it's fantastic. I don't, even, I don't even know what to say to that, John. That's so stupid. I don't even it know is what to stupid, say. but... The rest of the game is actually pretty decent, and like I like that they decided to put this juvenile weird thing that, in it. That's more stupid than getting an achievement or a trophy in Duke Nukem for picking the turd out of the toilet in the beginning. No. <laughs> yeah. Because the rest I, I, of... Cause, I'm going to say. Because I would rather play this a hundred times over than Duke Nukem forever. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. Because <laughs> I tried finishing Duke Nukem because I was watching uh, I was watching a podcast where they talked about like they they played the game for uh, t- it was uh, how did this get played podcast where they just talk right. about crap games. Yeah, yeah. You, and you mentioned uh, that. Yeah. I I was watching the Duke Nukem episode and they mentioned. They said they were somewhere in the game, and I was like, I'm not that far from that. I should finish that game. And I went back, and I tried to finish it, and I, I beat that one level that I was stuck on for a while. And then I was like, no, no, I'm done. I can't do it. This <laughs> That game's so bad. Mm. God, I hate that game. <laughs> <sighs> well, and, and not to be confused, though, with Duke Nukem 3D, which got re-released on PS4. Yes. I actually wanted to get that, and someone sold it to us. It was 40 bucks new. And I'm like, man, it's holding its value. Like, I would totally buy that for 20 bucks new all day. That's how it's, much it cost when it came out. Yeah, it's up to yeah. 40 new Holy now. Holy crap. Yeah, it's and I think it's going to keep going up. And, you know, and like, it pisses me off because I didn't buy it and someone bought it that day. Like, you know, I'm the like, best part about that game is where they put the hole in the disc. Yes. <laughs> much like Oni Chambara for PS4. Yeah. Well, Oni Chambara, though, is a lady... Duke Nukem, if you stick your pinky through the disc hole, yeah. it looks like a penis. You're, you're, uh, your imagination gets to run <laughs> yes. a little bit. That's terrible. All right, so I guess if if you like John so far on this podcast over the last month, then buy a Dog's Life on PS2 well, it, if you it's trust. It's also them. cheap, so that is true. It's yeah. like ten dollar game, maybe. Yeah, it's it's super cheap, but it's really fun. Like I I can't wait till my daughter's old enough to to play a little bit more complicated games because I think she's gonna love this game. Sure. Now remember, if you try, oh, excuse me. Oh. Ooh, it's getting tired and getting late, getting tired. Um, remember, if you try to force her and get her into playing games and you try to push too hard, she's going to reject that. Oh, yeah, no, I... And then she'll grow up hating you and games. I haven't. Hating you more than the games. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about that stupid PS2 game or do you want to... No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel terrible saying that, but it just looks like complete... Like, no pun intended, it looks like dog shit. I, f- I feel like finding a, a Greg-quality <laughs> copy of this game and giving it to you, so you have to put it in your collection. You know, <laughs> I have... What was, the, what was the last one you got me? Hold on, I'm trying to think. Uh, it was some for Xbox One or 360. Oh, I think I, I, think got, I gave you a copy of Tony Hawk Shred. Yes, Tony Hawk Shred for 360. Because <laughs> yeah, I accidentally I bought two copies of that garbage game. <laughs> and I don't have the, the board accessory to even play it. <laughs> All right, so my game of the week, and we're sticking with the PlayStation theme as always, I have the original Monster Rancher. I have really good um, memories of this game, but the idea, this was really unique at the time. So imagine the PS1. So you play Monster Rancher, and what you do, it's a, it's like a monster-raising simulator where you get a monster, you train it up, and then you can send it to battle for you. But the neat thing about this game was you would put this game in, and then when you went to generate a monster, you generated the monster by putting in a different CD. So you would actually pop this game out of the PlayStation when it prompted you to. You'd put whatever disc in there. It could be a CD. It could even be a DVD. It wouldn't be able to read the disc, but it would generate a monster randomly off of a disc it couldn't read. It would do it even it, with it DVDs? It would do that, yeah. I mean, well, I guess I never tried it with a DVD, okay. but I, I did it with formats it couldn't read. So okay. I never tried with a DVD because back then I didn't have DVDs. Yeah. But, um, and the really cool thing was they had specific CDs yep. that they made that would produce specific monsters. And there was a list you could get. Like one was the Forrest Gump soundtrack would produce a certain one. They even went as far as to specific PS1 games would generate specific monsters. Really? Tecmo's Deception... If you put that in here, you get like that kind of like uh, he like looks almost like he has an eyeball for a head. Okay, and he's like he's like a humanoid type creature, and you get that monster by putting Tecmo's Deception instead of a music scene. Do you remember what the Matrix soundtrack gave you? I don't. It was a um, 
it was a pixie looking fairy that was like she had she had wings and she was wearing like a black leather outfit That's like awesome. Trinity from the Matrix. Yeah, it, and and they did a lot of that, and so they and they went on to spawn many sequels, including a cartoon and a whole bunch of other crap. But this first game, when I played it on PS1, this was like nothing else you ever played before. Yeah. And so I talk oftentimes about how the PS1 was the last time that there was a fundamental shift in gaming. Not just because of the move to 3D from 2D, but also they were doing unique stuff like this. You had games like Metal Gear uh, that were basically trying to present like movies. You had games like this. like You literally took the disc out and put a different disc in to generate a monster to raise. And what was more cool than putting in every freaking CD in your house yep, into this game that. to try to see what craziness would come out? It was so freaking cool. So now, has it aged very well? Not really. And there's not a lot to do in this game. Like, you you raise the monsters, you send them on, like, jobs, mm-hmm. and then you can send them to, like, fight in this arena. But it's not really an RPG. There's not really a lot to do in it. It, it says it has RPG intrigue and fantasy simulation. <laughs> but that doesn't mean jack shit. Did you I mean, play the later games? I've played two, but I've not played any of the PS2 ones, okay. like three or four. Did, did two expand more on gameplay? Yeah, two, two had a lot more stuff to do outside okay. of the like breeding side of it. Yep. I think you could even send them out on like missions or something. I think this one you can too, but that one I think you would actually go and there would have been a dungeon to go through. I'm not even sure. I have to play them again. I mean, it's been years since I played this, but this was like magical for me. And I remember my friend bought this and we went to the Fox River Mall together and he went to Sam Goody with the list he printed off the internet. And we went and he bought every CD that had a unique monster on it. He spent like 150 bucks at Sam Goody buying all the CDs. So you got like four discs. <laughs> well, the Forrest Gump soundtrack's like four discs by itself. Is it really? Yeah, it's Lord. it's like a double disc. I think it's at least two Did discs. Did they it might each be give you different monsters? I don't think so. I don't even know if... I think only one disc. It might have only been the first disc. I'm It'd be not great sure. great if one of, one of the monsters was the box of chocolate mimic. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, but yeah, so Monster Rancher for the PS1... It, it's hard to play now, but it really did spawn something, and it was another example of the ingenuity of the PS1. The PS1 didn't reign supreme because it had more games or more power. It had really innovative stuff, and this was one of them. It's, I think it's hi- a, highly innovative. It's highly a cool nice. cover, too. Like, it is, yeah. Like, I think that rendering of that that weird monster looks pretty sweet. Yeah, and it looks like he smashed into the case because it looks like it's broken. Yeah. And then he's like, and there's just a disc in the background, like, and you have the reflection on the disc of all the different monsters that you could summon. It's just, just cool, yeah, man. Yeah, there's a lot of detail on that, actually. Yeah, this, this, is, this is pretty neat. It's like the, the cover art that keeps on giving. Like, the more you look at it, the more the more there is. And they, they didn't even call it a game. They called it a virtual monster breeder, <laughs> which I don't think you actually breed monsters. I think you just summon them from your discs, but okay. Yeah. Okay, breeding, whatever. So Monster Rancher and the dog and Dog's Life for PS2 are our two games of the week. And then John, I'm gonna pass it to you for your pickup pile of the week. Alright. So Greg got a bunch of cool stuff in this week. Yes. And I love I, when half your pickup pile of stuff from my store. Yeah, if I had like a <laughs> grand to throw around and wouldn't get punched in the dick by my wife, I probably would blow it at your store this You're, week. Uh, th- those Vita games, I know you were struggling. Yeah. There's some really good I, stuff in there. I picked out three Vita games because Greg got a ridiculous trade in of Vita games this yeah, week. Yeah, it was almost 300 Vita games we yeah, put out like, yesterday or today. Like every one of them was sealed for the most part. It was crazy. Yeah, it was actually, it ended up being about two-thirds sealed okay. to one-third unsealed but even still the majority were sealed and and arguably and surprisingly not too expensive like they were all between 25 and 45 for the most part so there was a lot of games there like a lot of limited run stuff but nothing that was bonkers except for ratchet and clank trilogy for 100 bucks which i want um you actually you you priced those really reasonably like i 
I respected the prices I saw on that. So. Wow. Well, thanks, John, because it's all I, I live for is yeah. your respect of my pricing, <laughs> the games in my store. Well, like, you go to some places, like, um, like Mojo has a lot of limited run stuff, but I would say their prices are higher than yours are. Okay. For a well, lot of, and, and they're not sealed. And that stuff does change a lot. Yeah. So to be fair, it does. But uh, thank you for the compliment. I'll take that. So uh, I picked up Black Rock Shooter uh, for PSP. Um, it It's an RPG. It did re- get a release uh, in English on the PSN uh, for download only. Now, you, you explained to me earlier that you did not know it was a JRPG when you bought it, even though right on the front cover there's a big black label that says JRPG. Yes, it says <laughs> Image Epoch JRPG. Uh, I wasn't sure, but whatever. It's fine. I forgive um, you. I picked up uh, Blade Dancer. It's a good game. Uh, I've actually I owned this game already, and when I was cataloging my games and putting them into my collection website, I was like, I opened the case and I was like, where the hell's my disc? What the crap? Oh. Um, so I have like a stack of games that I need to buy again because I'm missing the disc. So this is one of them. Nice. Um, Good condition case and everything too. It's a really nice shape. Yeah. Um, I got uh, Moro Chronicle H, if that's how you spell it, uh, from Lim and Run, which is a vaguely porny uh, dungeon crawl <laughs> RPG. Um, oh, I, man. It's from Idea Factory. I played it. It's not great. Um, mm. It's very boring, <laughs> and there's a lot of, like, <laughs> you're just constantly running into random battles. Mm. Um, I picked up Yoshi's Crafted World because uh, this week is the Mario. Happy March, Mar- 10th, March 10th, Mario Happy Mario Day, Day week. Yeah, yeah. so um, they had this on sale for 40 bucks instead of the normal 60 uh, Mario stuff is almost never on sale. Um, and yep, my take wife, it when you can get it. Yeah, my wife really likes the Yoshi games, so I didn't tell her I bought this yet because, again, punching the balls. Um, but at some point, I'll be like, hey, do you want to play a Yoshi game? Yeah, fun. but at least you <laughs> bought it like f- with her in mind. It's yes. like when you buy your kids Christmas presents that you want to play with. Yes. Right? You can't get in trouble because for them. Uh, so another one that I got from Greg, uh, Legend of Hero Trails of Cold Steel 2, which was one of the first game was one of my game of the weeks a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. And that's the um, PS3 version. Yes. The PS3 version I didn't buy when it came out and like never saw again. Um, so I, you had this for like 25 bucks mm-hmm. and it's still sealed. You're welcome. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Originally the person who sold that to me had it in the box with part one because the, okay. the collector's box for part one comes with room to put the yep. second game in it and originally i was like well i could just put these together and i thought well number one was open and number two was sealed i'm like nah I just sell it separately. yeah i'm really glad and you you'd be surprised like they don't go for a ton and i don't know if it's because that one got re-released on ps4 but i think they eventually will though because if you look at the psp yeah legend of heroes games they're crazy um the third one is like 160 it, bucks is that on, what it's up to now on amazon all right. You only for ever like see it for one. that. Yeah, and then, I got a couple of those sealed in my back room, actually. Do you really? Ah, <laughs> yeah. you bastard. Um, and, <laughs> and then uh, Legend Heroes uh, Trails, of, or, uh, Trails of the Sky is is pretty pricey. And I, I should have bought it years ago on Amazon for like 20 bucks. And I you just don't like, think of it, though. Yeah, you know? I was like, yeah. ah, I'll get it later. And then it turns into like, it's one of my favorite series. And I was like, man, I'm kicking myself for not buying well, it. One of my, one of my, a lot of the times when I'm doing my pickup pile of the week, a lot of people know I'm on a real big JRPG kick right now. So, yeah, yeah. you like the, I wish I had bought a lot of these when I I mean, I did buy a lot of these a while ago, mm-hmm. but 
I wish I had bought all of them a while ago. Yeah. Because, like, even now, there's still a few NES games I need mint in the box. I should have, and, and about three years ago, I started going really heavy after the ones I wanted, and I was getting them for half the price they are now. And so I wish I had just been more aggressive back yeah. then. But, you know, you try to be reasonable. Like, right. I'm trying not to drop a thousand bucks a year on like mint nes boxed games you well know? and you're like, making you're making more money than you were back then probably true. too you know, so I'm, now i'm not i'm not weeping in the shower after seeing my taxes returns yeah. anymore you know now i can actually i can i can look at the price i have to pay and not not die inside so another one i got <laughs> uh and this is from you uh i have been looking at this on play asia for like six months to a year like wanting it and just not pulling the trigger on it because i just hate from buying from play asia nowadays mm-hmm. um uh loco roco 2 uh it's one of my favorite games for originally PS- a psp game Yep, psp they re-released um, it physically i think it was physically on ps3 in japan uh maybe. maybe i i didn't know about that but um but they re-released it digitally on ps4 here yeah and then but not physically on disc uh one and two are both available on on ps4 on yep. disc and uh I, I threw this in, and this is one of the rare games that Nicole, my wife, played the hell out of. Nice. And she, like, finished the game. So when I threw it in and it was playing on the screen, she immediately was like, oh, give me the controller. And she started playing it. <laughs> nice. And then um, my daughter Lyra even was like, can I try? And so we gave her a quick, like, um, explanation of just press the left trigger and the right trigger to hop. And she made it through a level. Nice. Um, and so, did you did you and Nicole ever try playing uh, Pixel Junk Monsters? We didn't. No, that, that's that really a fun. Tower defense, it's it? a tower defense, and you can do two player. It's really okay. fun. Yeah. I, anyway, sorry. I don't get it super into tower defenses myself, mm. so I love uh, them. I, it takes a really really rare one. I'm. I think I have Pixel Junk. I just haven't played it. I'll have to fire it up at one point. Um, so I got Azure Lane Crosswave, which is a lim- another limited run published game by idea factory it's a really weird shooter where you're girls that are personifications of battleships mm, and well, so sounds awful you're you're like traveling on water the entire time and fighting like like world war ii planes as they're flying down below and it's very weird i'm jealous of that not i don't want it on that system but i'm jealous of that yeah. game uh i got two point hospital uh it was i picked it up at target I hadn't seen it anywhere. Uh, I have not seen that anywhere. Yeah, so Target, I, that's the first time I've seen it. If you want it, I'm pretty sure Target has it for forty bucks. The uh, PS4 version. Yeah, um, I haven't played it yet. Apparently, the uh, the disc version comes with two expansions, uh, and it's not nice, a code okay. inside the box. It's just on the disc. Um, I bought Lego Dimensions uh, today, actually, uh, for Xbox One. Okay. I I have every Lego Dimensions set. And figure, uh, but I just didn't own it for Xbox. GameStop gave managers the PlayStation copy. Oh, and okay. so I have everything for PlayStation, but I just never bought the Xbox version. So did you get the portal with that too, or is no, the portal I universal? Because that's different, it right? The base does not work. Yeah. yeah. Xbox's USB interface is so freaking annoying. Yeah. It's different. Cause it's, and it's really weird because things usually work on PS4 and PC. Yep. So why is the Xbox interface different for how it uses USB devices? Disney it's, Infinity. Uh, on Wii and PlayStation would work yep. back and forth. Wii, Wii U, PlayStation yeah. 3, yep, yep. but not Xbox. Not Xbox, yep. I know because a lot of people come in like looking for just portals, and I have yep. to spend all the time, because not, not all the portals tell you what system they're for. And so, like, yeah, I do a bunch of research, but I think the ones that for 360 actually say 360 yeah. on them, which is obviously that helps. But yeah. And then the last game I got, I picked up today, actually, 
Ori and the Will of the Wisps, the collector's edition. Um, I was actually playing it this morning because it's on Game Pass, so I don't even need to open this. Nice. Um, but the collector's edition is really cool. Uh, it came, comes with a steel case, soundtrack, a bunch of other goodies. Well, Ori and the Blind Forest is one of those games that I wonder how well it would have done on the PlayStation. Yeah. You know, it's... like, the, it just seemed like more suited to PlayStation fans than it would be to Xbox fans, which is really disappointing because it looks like an amazing game. And I played maybe an hour or two of the first one and then never played anymore. But They put the first one on, on Switch. Switch. Yeah, uh, first one and on it gives Switch. you Xbox achievements, so I bought it again. That's amazing. Um, You're going to be really mad at me when I, when I tell you this. So in that lot with all the Vita games also was a copy of Mafia 2, the Japanese version for okay. Xbox 360, okay. which is a different set of achievements. Oh. And I saw it, and when I first saw it, I said, I don't want an import copy of this game because, you know, because we have like a, we have a PAL version of like Fable 3. And I'm like, okay. this is never going to sell. Like, it's never going to sell because you can just get the cheap Fable 3 for five bucks. But it's also backwards compatible, and you can put the Japanese yep. one in backwards compatible and play the Japanese version and get the separate achievements on yep. it. So, so you didn't buy that from I, that guy? I'm, I knew, I, I knew it sucks. I knew you'd have bought it now. Yep. But unfortunately, we passed on it, and then I looked it up later. And so that's my bad. I'm, I'm actually really disappointed in myself that well, I didn't. Text that guy and be like, hey, next time you're going to bring that in again, I'll buy it. <laughs> Maybe I will. I will do that. Maybe I'll give you his info. Because well, how much would you have bought it for? <laughs> well, it only sells for about 30 bucks, so yeah. we probably have been at 12 to 15 yeah. somewhere in that range roughly. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Ori, I, I definitely want to get down on that. It, the the major problem with the first Ori was that you had to save it yourself. Like, you had to make a conscious effort to save the game. Uh, and the game is really tough. So you die a lot, and sometimes if you didn't if you didn't remember to save, mm. you kicked back, like, 15, 20 minutes. They fixed it with this game. So now nice. it auto-saves all the time. And so if you die, you're like two inches away from where you died. So it's it's a way better game. Graphics are phenomenal. Uh, nice. It's great. Uh, so my pickup pile, my first up is I have for PS3, I have The Puppeteer. So I've not played this game before, but it just looks like a really neat little 2D platformer. And you could use the PlayStation Eye, what for, I don't know. It had move functionality. Um, and it's one or two players, and it was a 3D game. I don't know anything else about it, but it just looks really cute, and it was cheap. It was like five bucks. It looks really good. I don't know. I like the I like kind of the art design in the front and the back. I have a irrational hatred of that game because it is the last game that I tried playing on my 60 gig backwards cap compatible oh, no. PlayStation 3. <laughs> it and killed then your it, system. It powered it down, oh, no. and I had to take the damn thing apart to get the disc out. Oh, um, well, that sounds like uh, your problem, yeah. not the puppeteer's problem. Yeah. I did get the disc out. Um, <laughs> then I picked up a pal copy of Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes okay. on PS3. So I'm a Metal Gear, a huge Metal Gear fan, and I do try to collect all the Metal Gear games, including all the versions of all the Metal Gear games. So this actually came through the store, which was weird, nice. and it's Ground Zeroes, and it's the PS3 version of Ground Zeroes, and it's the pal copy. So I have the pal copy of the PS4 version, and the PAL copy of Phantom Pain for PS4, but not this. And also, I need a PAL copy, I believe, of the PS3 version of Phantom Pain. Okay. So, anyway, it was just weird. Like, one of those weird things that came through. And uh, I really can't say much without spoiling it, but I actually prefer the main character that's on the cover of this box. It's not necessarily <laughs> the main character. Of the what I, you, know, you know what I'm saying. I loved that, uh, the Ground Zeroes. Ground like, Zeroes was, was short, awesome. But, like, that ending cinematic was like, holy crap. Yeah. It was, I am so into this. It was amazing, and it was blasphemy that they they 
sold this to us. This should have just been a demo. <laughs> like, you know, Kojima had nothing to do with that. Like, you, yeah. I guarantee he was like, let's do this. Let's just put it out. And then Konami's like, we could sell the demo. They put this on a disc, John, and they sold this for $40. I was going to ask you if you remember how much it was. It was 40 was bucks, it? And then they dropped it very well. If I remember correctly, it was, I want to say it was 40 bucks, and then they dropped it very quickly to 30 And okay. it might have just been that the PS3 version was 30 and the PS4 was 40 and then they just matched them all at 30 or something like that. Mm. Very expensive to me. Totally stupid. And people would come up to the counter with this expecting it to be a full game. And we lost tons of sales just trying to be honest with people and yeah. tell them it's not. It, I always warn people that it was only an hour long. Yeah, total Actually, bunch of crap. Actually, half hour long if you, were, yeah. if you knew what you were doing. T- total bunch of crap. Uh, this one's a little bit more of a unique one, but this is the Bloodborne Old Hunters edition. Okay. So this is the full version of Bloodborne and the DLC, the Old Hunters DLC, on disc. Not a code. And then this one is the uh, Korea version, so it has English voice acting and English subtitles. So what's weird is I have the PAL version of this. But I it's also got, have the PAL version But it's got like a that. pink cover. Yeah. And this one's way cooler looking. Do you know why that both versions kind of suck? A little bit. Mm, tell me why. Separate save file. Yes. You cannot load your American save. Correct. Yep. Into that yep. game. I actually, I found that out a few weekends ago, actually, because yep. that's the version I took with me to to play with my brother. Uh, then I picked up a Genesis game. I got a complete box copy of Marble Madness for the Genesis. I love this game. It's one of my favorite arcade games in the uh, in the 90s. Um, created by Mark Cerny, the architect of the PS4. And probably PS5. And probably PS5. But the game's great, and I have this complete for NES as well. But it's just awesome, and I think the game was like 15 bucks. So, like, how do yeah. you not just put it in the collection for that? Those, uh, that's a great game. It's a game you could beat in, like, 10 minutes, but it's yeah. a great game. And it's super fun, and it's, yeah. like, challenging, And then, but you can. it's like an arcade game, so you want to keep trying to do it faster so you get a little riskier. Like, it, I don't know, it just has a lot of fun. works really well. If you don't know anything about Marble Madness, it's an isometric game, so think, like, Diablo- and you're up in the air, and then you're guiding a marble through a maze trying to get to the end. And that's it. And then every stage is different. Really fun. Um, so then I have, for PS1, I picked up a copy of Twist Metal 4, finally. I actually hate this game. <laughs> um, you make your own driver in this game. Okay. And I believe you can pick the car, and you can literally drive Dragula from Rob Zombie's hit album, Hell, Hellbilly Deluxe was okay. the name of the album. So, I was thinking Super Beast for some reason. Yeah, that was the first track. That's the that's okay. the tra- first track on the album. All right, so I wasn't super off base. I know because I, someone was talking to me about that album the other day, and I got this weird craving to listen to it. So I was on <laughs> iTunes, and I'm like, I could buy it for just ten bucks. I'm like, wait a minute, you that's pay for? Lot. I was like, wait a minute, you pay for Spotify? <laughs> so then I went to Spotify and listened to it. I listened to every song like once. I was like, okay, cool. I'm glad I didn't buy it because I'm never listening to this again. <laughs> Uh, I picked up a jewel case version of Gex for PS1. Okay. So this is actually more rare than the long box version. I am a sucker for jewel case. And the first Gex I actually really like. I don't like any Gex after this. This was the like this was the good 2D platform that I really remember. Yep, I liked that one And really lot. enjoy. Uh, and then this one's kind of a weird one. But this is an import PS1 game called The Fireman 2. Now, I don't know what happened to Fireman 1. This is just Fireman 2. Does the, does the first one exist? It, well, that might be the one that's on Super Famicom because okay. I thought this was a remake of the Super Famicom one, but this might actually be a sequel to that. I don't know. I have to do some homework on that. But this is a game you can get digitally on the U.S. PlayStation Store. For a while, I know you know this, John, but for a while on the PlayStation Store, you could they, they started uploading a bunch of imports. They didn't translate them or anything. They just straight up put up the Japanese ones on the U.S. Store. Yeah. So, like, you could get Mega Man 1 through 6 individually for like five bucks a piece and you're like wait a minute why do i have to 
I, it's, you know, uh, Mega Man games you can play, but it was just weird that they were uploading import games, you know. But those were also the, they were the PlayStation 1 versions of Mega Man 1 that had better graphics, didn't they? Um, I, I don't know. I, I know they, they did that. Uh, that might, that makes sense that they would do it that way. Um, but this is a really fun, this is actually a really fun game and it's like a, it's like a 2D top down pixel based, it's like a pixel art style game where you literally run around as firefighters and putting out fires in a building. It's, it's really rad actually. We should play that sometime. It's a lot of fun. I actually have a firefighter game shipping to me on Amazon. Oh God, not Friday. the PS2 one, is it? Uh, it's the, it's the remastered PS4 version of the PS2 oh, firefighter game. It's so bad. <laughs> Speaking of which, of obscure PS2 games where you work in health services, did you ever play Zombie Ambulance for PS2? No. We should play it sometime. It's a really is crappy it... Japanese game. Okay, I was going to It's a super it budget title. Oh, super budget title. You drive an ambulance around during like a zombie apocalypse. Is it one of the Simple Series games? Yeah. Yeah, okay. like the, the S2000 or yep. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bunch of those. Uh, and then... I picked up a disc. This is funny. So I've actually had this in store for years. And I was I was rearranging because I had to rearrange the whole Vita and PSP section today. So I had to pull the Commodore 64 games off the shelf and rearrange them. So as I'm doing that, I'm going through and I'm like, wait a minute. We had a VCD. So a video CD meant for the CDI, that terrible game console that birthed the most vile Zelda and Mario games of all time. But it's a VCD of the first episode of the X-Men cartoon in the 90s, which I love that cartoon. And you look on the front cover, and this is kind of like the hand-drawn from the cartoon art. But if you look on the back, this is like straight-up Jim Lee X-Men art on the back. Yep. It's like a comic panel. And they have a whole bunch of, like, extra stuff on it. This is really cool. So I was like, well, it's X-Men. How do I, how do I not have this? So I actually I bought that, you know, out of the store. It's been there for years. I recased it because it was ugly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's X-Men, man. I mean, I just, I love this cartoon so much. Did you have the X-Men PC Quake Total Conversion game? No. Did you but know But I'm intrigued because I did not know uh, it exists. You, you play as a mutant that somehow has everyone's powers. <laughs> oh, so, like, very each, realistic. Each power is, like, the weapons on the, on the keyboard, like, one through ten, okay. or one through ten. And so, like one of the weapons that you get is like uh wolverine's claws and then you get uh like uh iceman's ice blasts and stuff and you you fight and that was an officially released yeah it was officially released quake total and it conversion. came out in a big box yep oh god i'm yep. gonna well as soon as i'm done with this podcast i'm gonna look that up i had the the heyday of my shooters uh, obsession was squarely in the quake one quake two like time frame and I bought like every damn Quake and Quake Two total conversion. You I could did have. see this. I've seen this before. Yeah, what was it called? Uh, X Men: The Ravages of Apocalypse. Yep. I have seen this. Holy crap! I haven't se- I haven't seen this in ages. Is that going to be in your pickup pile next week? <laughs> I don't know if it'll get here in time, but it's up there. It's going to be at least forty bucks, though. Is it really? Yeah. Well, Do you here's need one anything for thirty. Else to play it? Well, I'm not going to play it, but probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to play it. I'll, I'll download it and emulate it once I own it. Play it and install... Uh, should do, I should do a YouTube video on that. Man. We should seriously do a YouTube video on that. That'd be great. What's the stupid... Oh, ra- install the Quake Ray Tracing mod. Because <laughs> people, get people added Quake, uh, Ray Tracing to Quake 2 and Quake 1. I wonder I if that would work in a conversion like that. Um, and then lastly, I picked up... And I already have a Vita, but with those awesome Vita games that came in... 
he also had a Japanese Glacier White PSP 2000. And I've wanted a PSP 2000 for quite a while. When I was in Japan, I almost bought like 10 different Vitas because <laughs> they were all like, they had the coolest colors there. They have like that fire red or fire orange or whatever. They had this one. Yep. They had a bunch of cool, like that really nice blue. But they were all new and they were all still like 150 bucks. I'm like, I'm not buying a new Vita for 150, although that's what they're worth and they're going to go up because the yeah. Vita is a really hackable machine. So people love buying these new and then modding them and homebrewing them. But this is a white one. It doesn't have a glossy finish on the front like the 1000 white does. Okay. So I can touch it without fingerprints being all over it, John. It's <laughs> going to be amazing. So I'm going to turn this into my main Vita. I'm going to get my main memory card in here because I have a 64 gig memory card. And I'm going to load it up because what I love about the Vita is that it can play almost everything digital from PSP. Mm-hmm. So I load up my Vita with around 30 to 40 PS1 RPGs and around 20 to 30 PSP RPGs. So the thing is just like, a PSP machine. And so I absolutely love it for that. So I saw that condition of it too. And like the guy never used it. I mean, it's just beautiful. Like I never used anything that he sold. Well, you. <laughs> he certainly didn't play any of the new Vita games. Yeah. So, but that was, Madness. that's what's weird about it too, is a lot of people like that. They want to collect it because it's like Vita was a really hot collectible thing for a while because it was going to be one of those. There aren't a lot of titles for it and it's really easy to get a complete collection. And then Limited Run blew the doors off the titles. And then Play Asia started publishing titles. And now Vita Carts are officially out of production. So the last few titles that trickle out will be all we ever see for Vita games, which is why it's important to buy those Vita games, even though I'm done with the Play Asia ones. I'm just, I'm not buying those anymore. Yeah. But I'm still going to buy, like, they're doing Meat Boy. Limited Run's doing Super Meat Boy. Papers, Please is supposed to be their last y- one. Yep. So I'm going to get those because there's going to be something to be said for those last few. Yeah. And I, I picked up, like, as many copies as I could of, like, the Bloodstained collectors and all those because those on vita are gonna be i think really hold some good value um so then but then they blew the doors off there's a million vita games to collect so people got like two-thirds of the way they started buying and it's so funny because this guy who sold me all these was exactly what my friend nate was doing when he sold me all his about a year and a half ago to two years it was either two years ago or was a year ago but in any case they get so far and they realize there's no end in sight and then what you start doing is you start buying Japanese only ones that were physical there, but only digital here. And then it's just, it's a crazy rabbit hole to go down. So they eventually, they just get bored of it. So Nate sold me all his, uh, Carl, the guy who sold me these, he sold me all these, I'm like, this is awesome. And now I'm actually, and I'm actually selling these a lot of Nate's. I just put in the back room to like cook and price, but yeah. that was stupid. I should have sold those. Um, and I'm selling these. And like you said, a lot of them are 25 to 40 bucks. It's not like, yeah. like a lot of those are profitable if I had bought them new from Limited Run. Right. Yeah, but I didn't. Old... I got them at the at the rate I get to pay for the stuff I want. So. I think I only saw like three or four games that were like 55 to 60. Yeah, there's, there weren't a lot of really expensive ones. There was one that was 100 ones. bucks. Yeah, so. there, there was a lot of collector's editions in there too, but none of those were like exuberant amounts. See, like, he didn't have like the R the our techno surge or whatever whatever it's yeah, called it's like three hundred dollars arno surge yeah. yeah i wish i would have so that. so yeah there's like none of those you know so um but anyway that is my pickup pile of the week john thank you again for 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 being around for the podcast i really appreciate it thank you everybody for listening and watching you can follow me on twitter at game trade greg you can subscribe to us on youtube at youtube.com slash drop rate and you can follow us and subscribe on twitch if you want it's twitch.tv slash the drop rate and if you have amazon prime and you're not using it you get a free twitch prime subscription so you can just give us that and it gives us money so if you're not using it on anybody else and you have prime shipping give it to us and if it if you don't like me it doesn't give me any money so yeah it doesn't give john anything <laughs> yeah. so if you if you just want to stick it to john do it doubly and then i'll brag about it yes. that he doesn't get any of that money yep 
and I'm fine with that. <laughs> but anyway, thank you again always for listening and watching, everybody. We so appreciate you. Thank you very much. Have yourself a good day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Later.